0: Testaments referenced. The strange civil and ceremonial laws, not to mention the wars fought and the sexual brokenness that is so prevalent throughout the Old Testament, makes most folks uneasy. But we need to make sure that the Old Testament, that we understand, that the Old Testament didn't make Jesus wince. In fact, he saw himself at the center of the Old Testament. He even read from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah to launch his ministry, saying, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. These are Isaiah's words because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor.
1: In this week's sermon, Kelly preached on Luke 9, 18 to 20, where Jesus asks his disciples who other folks say he is and who they, his disciples, say he is. Their answers are revealing and they help us form a better theology of Jesus as the Messiah. Today we'll be discussing questions around this topic and more. Stay tuned from Glen Island Bible Church, I'm Matt Marone.
2: I'm Beth
0: Moss. And I'm Kelly Brady. And This is episode number 169 of The Next One.
3: Your
2: name, your name always.
1: Jesus, you Well, good afternoon. Good
2: afternoon. It's raining lightly. It's like fall. It's kind of nice. It's all of a sudden fall overnight. After
1: how many days without rain and we had a little bit of... yeah. My backyard has, you know, went from giant
0: cracks in the ground to it's so mushy that I had stacked all this wood and it fell over because the ground gave way underneath it. Wait, the wood
1: from your boxes, your garden boxes? No, no, no,
0: no. I had, no, I had stacked some logs. Oh, okay. On like a holder, and yep. the holder mm-hmm. gave way... It, its feet sank into the ground because the ground went from rock hard to mushy. Oh, my
2: goodness. Yeah. Here, I thought it was going to be a garden reference. I no. thought you were going to say Do I went from these tiny, tiny little nubs to these huge crops of <laughs> corn overnight. <laughs> 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 I, I, you just look like a gardener. I've never heard you talk about no gardening works. or anything. Well, it, but... So
1: for those who don't know, Kelly and I are neighbors. We live <laughs> across the street from each other. I went over to his house the other day to borrow a, a wheelbarrow. Mm-hmm. And to my surprise, I go into the, his backyard and there are zero garden boxes. How many did you have? You had like six. six. Hey, like six huge yeah. garden boxes. You have now, a
0: thousand square feet right now wow. of garden. Yeah, I should add it up. But they're so gone.
1: So that's the wood. So he deconstructed all of them stacked. and stacked mm-hmm. the wood. That's what I mm-hmm. thought you were talking
0: about. Yeah. I'm, I'm changing my garden layout. This is what. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you think you can face? do it better? <laughs> that's hilarious. It's because you've become an empty nester now. In the last couple of weeks, you have lots of time to, do. to garden.
1: What's going to happen with the squat rack? That's what I'm wondering. Dude, I've been using it. Have you? <laughs> you should see So my his thighs. kids built, like a, a oh, Home yeah, Depot, the gym. like the do-it-yourself yeah. squat rack. Cement and a couple buckets with two-by-fours. Uh-huh.
0: I've been using it. Wow! I'm huge. All of a sudden, <laughs> <I'm still laughs> I had a guy walking by my house. He and his wife they were pushing a stroller. He yelled from the street, "I like your squat rack!" <laughs> so I immediately flexed. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, I'd use it, but I don't want to get too big, you know. Right. (laughs) I don't want. I don't want to be weird (laughs) and bulky. No, I don't want to be that bulky. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, Kelly copy and pasted from two weeks ago Uh, 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 into our Sunday review, and Mm -hmm. it said three hundred people. Great turnout between the two services, and (laughs) I was like, um, no, we were rained out for the first time in what a month and a half or weeks. Yeah, when you right. look at
2: the summer on the whole, Twice is is this, this is the second time, which is pretty remarkable. Oh,
1: phenomenal.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. Really
0: yeah. thankful for the gorgeous weather. And mm-hmm. yeah. It is what it is.
1: The drought. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the drought has allowed us to meet every yeah. Sunday uninterrupted. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm not,
0: not above or beneath, however you'd say I'm not above praying for good weather on Sunday mm-hmm. morning. I actually felt bad. With the drought issue, I like, <laughs> like, "Well, Lord, I know, <laughs> 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 I know that we need the rain. Farmers oh are out there suffering. So,
1: yeah, the, t- the skins on my tomatoes in my garden—crazy <laughs> tough. Mm. <laughs> but the sweet potatoes are growing.
0: You got sweet potatoes? We
1: have sweet po- and white sweet potatoes that we those, those started from a sweet potato that That's we fun. had. That's fun. That was sprouting. I had uh, purple potatoes this
0: weekend. That's fun.
2: <laughs> I have no garden. See,
1: right back to the garden. <laughs> you, you have bathroom, children. Yeah. <laughs> you have five children. <laughs> I have
2: a whole bunch of kids <laughs> that step on my garden whenever I try. so, yeah.
1: so we were rained out. So mm-hmm. we had to cancel our two outdoor yeah. services.
2: Did somebody stay here? Is that how you do it? Do you, like in case someone shows up, is there a staff member here? No, or we did send out great question.
1: So
0: we send out emails to those that are registered for the service that okay. it's been canceled. So uh-huh. another benefit of registering it rather than just walking up, we really mm-hmm. need people to register. Yeah. And uh, then we also canceled the one indoor service that we had because not enough folks signed up. Mm-hmm. It's a 50-person max, but we've kind of decided that if, if 25 don't sh- sh- sign up, then we're going to go ahead and cancel it. We mm-hmm. only had five sign up. So I'd, my sense is people just aren't ready uh, to be indoors or feeling that confident. Or perhaps they, it, it may be a safety issue. They don't feel uh, completely yeah. at ease, but it may be they don't want to worship with masks on, which we're mm-hmm. requiring right now. So
1: I mean, I, those things, or I think it could also just be that if you're planning to come to church at 830, and now you have the option to come to church at 1130. Yeah. That's a big shift that is in how you plan your schedule. day. For sure. Yeah. So I also I, was yeah. kind of
2: thinking, hey, the outdoor service is working so well. Yeah, that it really is. People love it. I mean, people really do. And people from other churches are asking me about it. I yeah. think yeah. it's going really well. So why go inside if, yeah. if the outdoor? Yeah. It's well, going so well but inevitably that day will come yeah
1: it will the good November thing is, is coming the, yeah, i know <laughs> it's like uh what's that show uh winter's coming <laughs> the game of thrones or whatever oh. um so uh we still did have an experience for people uh-huh. uh with our online experience right and um foster led communion i thought he did a, a good job solid job there and um Mm-hmm. Yeah, my wife was up. Jennifer was up singing, mm-hmm. so that was always that's always fun when yeah, we get to worship well, totally. together.
2: Now, it's been so. a couple of weeks since we've been together and there has been an indoor service since we've had our yeah. last podcast. Can you speak oh, to that?
1: 12 people came.
2: Okay. It you, was probably a good run through. I mean, there's was, probably some and, kinks and, that
0: And that's fine too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so 12 people came and we celebrated Jesus and yeah, the word yeah. was read publicly and preached yeah. and mm-hmm. It was great. So
2: do you have procedures and stuff you're working Yeah, we through?
0: do the whole dot, you know, maintain social distance. Mm-hmm. And we've spaced the chairs in the worship center mm-hmm. so that family units can sit close to each other without sitting close to others. Mm-hmm. Um, it To me, I'll be really honest, it felt kind of sterile. It was difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, singing with the mask on is not a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which, you know, our kids are experiencing if they're going to school. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's <laughs> we teachers went. are
1: experiencing.
0: And yep.
1: we, we tried... F- to have a little normalcy yesterday, and uh, I think we overshot what we were our comfort level. We went to the outlet mall, really, the okay. aurora yeah, outlet mall because yeah. it's outdoors sure. you know uh-huh. whatever, and the couple of stores that we did go in, you know, we had put a mask on mm-hmm. our three year old and I mean it was just
2: no not having it <laughs>
1: <laughs> as soon as I, as, soon as I put it on his face, he would go <laughs> I was like what? yeah, you're coughing yeah. uh yeah, so this strange reality. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, let's go into some questions. Though. We've got some good questions. Yeah, and so,
0: question number one is from uh, Mark Wilkerson's
1: mm-hmm. text right.
0: two weeks ago.
1: Yeah, because we've been off for a couple of weeks we with the podcast. So, he this question on, came in. He preached on Ecclesiastes, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, and Mark did um, a great job. That was a really great. Service
0: yep. it was good. My mm-hmm. sense of it was these are core lessons that Mark has been learning just at a very personal mm-hmm. level. Yeah, what do I do with the frustrations I experience in this life? And I thought mm-hmm. it was a blessing
3: to yeah. Yeah. It a
2: you know, part. speaking of Mark, <clears throat> excuse me. Speaking of Mark, it reminds me of the videos you guys put out last week. Some programming videos yeah. that were really, really great. Um, laying out outlining ways to get involved this fall. So. Yeah. Beth, check out the worship video. Awesome, yeah. I'm on top of it today. Yeah, yeah. Check it. out so the, the worship YouTube, video Bible on Bible the... Church YouTube channel. Okay. All these
0: go ahead. All these fall
1: programs. Yeah. So each mm-hmm. of our staff members have recorded a little video.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so check those out and find out how to get involved. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Sure. And
1: be- before we get into the first question, uh just a note to our listeners, John Vanderbilt is out today. Um, he is. He is. He wow, is. He is uh, planning for his fantasy football draft, which is coming up in a <laughs> tomorrow, and are he wanted serious? working
2: hard on that. <laughs>
1: oh, no. He's taking some time off, so he is off from the podcast. So it's the three of us today. We are going to do the best we can at making this interesting mm-hmm. um, without one of our pistons firing. So uh, here we go. Question number one: I have been struggling with the feeling of having no sense of community during the months on COVID. Being in quarantine, lack of personal connection, not regularly seeing people learning new social cues with mask wearing and others make life difficult. What are some positive steps I can take to, quote, fear God and keep his commandments, end quote, from Ecclesiastes 12, and make the most of what God has for me in the situation to come? Let me, let me kick this
0: off. Have you guys felt an isolation or loneliness?
2: You know, I have such a big family <laughs> that... It, there's kind of always a party at our house, but I have seen it, especially in my parents, my in-laws, um, other friends, and people I know who are feeling that sense of loneliness. Um, and it does feel different. Um, I'm seeing less people. You know, the the friendship circles have kind of gotten smaller. The people that I, the number of people that I see, is a lot smaller when I think it through. Um, yeah, you guys feeling the same way?
1: I was hit up yes, in a compartmentalized way Mm -hmm. Um, from a worship perspective, Mm -hmm. from a worship ministry perspective, Mm -hmm. I was hit with a big stick of just, gosh, when we did our, um, when we had our service, Mm -hmm. our indoor service, and I, you know, we were getting everything ready and I walked into the back room and I saw like a couple of the people who served, like someone had their purse sitting back there and I just, I had not thought about in the Mm -hmm. last six months we used to be back here on Sundays. Uh A lot of us crowded in this small Mm -hmm. room before, you know, service, in the middle of service, in between music and and sermon. And it was just, it's a sweet time Mm -hmm. um, where you get to know people better and pray for people, you know, Mm -hmm. talk about whatever. And I just realized, wow, it's been six months since we've done that. And Mm -hmm. it made me really sad. It made me miss. So from a ministry perspective... Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and sometimes walking through the worship or through the welcome center mm-hmm. or, you know, seeing walking down the art gallery hall mm-hmm. and just missing people and get so. But from a family perspective, and I, we live on a <laughs> we have an exceptional block. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of kids. Um, it's no a, joke. There may be 60 children on our block. On our, wow. Right. I mean, it's And not freakish. just 60 yeah. children, but, like, kids under the age of 12. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, mean, I mean, it's freakish. Yeah. A half of that number is just my house and the house next door, <laughs> the Fideszky. Right.
3: Yeah, there's right. a lot of
1: kids. So, I, it's Matt, really- I, I had that same experience. Um, John Foster had the
0: men's fraternity table leaders in the building the other day, and so they were gathering, getting ready for the year to kick it off, and... I hadn't seen a volunteer group meeting in the church Mm -hmm. in months. Mm -hmm. And it it brought me such joy just to see these folks gathering, getting ready to lead their areas of ministry and... Mm
1: Is that why we had a box of Dunkin' Donuts left over in the kitchen? (laughs) Do you know how long it's been since I've walked in and seen that? And And had to resist that temptation. And had to resist that. I forgot all about the temptation. I did resist. I did resist.
2: (laughs) I think it's moments like that where, you know, we just plug away with life, and then we have those (laughs) moments where we realize we're missing something, you know?
0: I was on the phone this morning with uh, someone struggling with some family issues and, um, I feel it, the freedom to share this, but this person lamented the fact, you know, all my normal venues for cultivating community are literally under lock and key. The mm-hmm. church, this person hadn't been to the church in six months. Uh, they have little kids, so mm-hmm. they've been excluded from the, the reboot of church programs because most churches aren't providing little kid programs yet. Uh, we're going to start in the next few weeks, but so... He, he was lamenting, I can't connect at the church. The gym I used to go to, where all my friendships were, I can't connect. I, I know a, a, a number of 20 somethings that just graduate from college. They move to another city, mm-hmm. and all the gyms are closed, all the churches are closed. They're doing their job remotely uh, from a new apartment they just rented. Uh-huh. They know no one in the city. That's hard. That sounds like a recipe for bad things yes. to happen. That's really yes, it does. hard.
2: Uh-huh. Isn't
0: that hard? I know a number yeah. of kids that have uprooted for Jobby Job. we got to get jobs. Yeah. And they got these great jobs in a city where they know no one, and mm. they're remote working in that city, yeah. hoping that the doors to their offices you you know, open. Yeah. Then get, it's mm-hmm. just really, really hard. That is hard. Yeah. So this person's not crazy. This is no. So how
1: do we make? Maybe we could give some uh, some examples of how do we make the most of the season God has us in. Yeah, let me read
0: as y'all are getting ready for examples. The verse this person references at the end of Ecclesiastes, which famously describes how. We can feel as though we're spinning our wheels. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. We can feel a purposelessness in life if we're not careful and get sucked into that and and have a real deep sense of loss. At the end, in conclusion, he says, Now all has been heard, the writer of Ecclesiastes says. Here's the conclusion. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Kind of a two-pronged approach. And Mark did a good job talking about fear is not not terror Mm -hmm. necessarily fear of God is a reverential awe and be struck by God's awesomeness. Yeah. And then that draws us into commandment keeping. And so this person asked what commands, what's it mean to keep our, the commandments and when we're feeling life is vain or purposeless.
1: Mm -hmm. How about you, Beth? Um, And it may be an example of, um, how to make the most in, in, with your life, your family's Mm -hmm. life, how do you make the most of the situation God has you in?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is just prayer and asking God to show you what you can see that you're not seeing, you know, because it seems right now, like we are limited. It feels limiting, but God's going to, there's always Give us, opportunity. Yeah. And we'll have creative opportunities. You know, we've had a bunch of new neighbors move into the area. Um, that's been opportunities to that's invite cool. people to church. Actually, one of them has um, viewed the online service. Um, so there's opportunity there. Um, and I think, you know, it's interesting looking at this, uh, new social cues with mask wearing, I'm noticing people become more bold about it where I've had people even recently be like, where, where are you? Like, how are you greeting people these days? Are, are we you hugging, hugging people? Are we, right. right. Uh, how, like, right. how do you want to do this? Yeah. Where we just sort of, we're all in this situation together. Yeah. So we sort of just right. need to show grace and maybe a little boldness and, mm-hmm. um, find ways to connect and, and. Prayer can be a good place to start yeah. with that.
0: I had a friend um, that uh, he lives on our block. He, he lost his job at the beginning mm-hmm. of the COVID crisis. He's in the, I'm going to say the, he facilitates um, the educational world and mm-hmm. hosts these huge conferences, mm-hmm. uh, thousands of people in arenas, which oh, isn't right. happening. Yeah, no. And so he hasn't had a gig in six months. Mm-hmm. And just, I just was hurting for him, just mm-hmm. hurting. And so... The the command to love your neighbor as yourself, I just thought, well, I'll just go over and sit and listen. I mean, misery loves mm-hmm. company. I can be company.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I just go over and sit and listen. Uh, it was a, a way to, I thought, I feel like I was able to encourage him. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. That's a good word. To, man, instead of wondering what y- you can do for you in this yeah. season, maybe just serve somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say that's probably an area that... Um, just trying to serve my family. I've been working on my anger. I've been working Mm -hmm. on trying just to be a nicer parent to my kids and Mm not having my gut reaction, just get mad when they, Mm -hmm. you know, do something that I've told them for the 20th time in an hour not to do. And (laughs) like, you know, just trying to see myself as more of a a coach in life rather than, um, just a a mean disciplinarian, you know, um, just working on stuff like that. Like this Mm -hmm. seems like a good season to be doing that. Yeah, I think of the
0: command to bear one another's burdens, anything we can do to lighten each other's load from, you know, as Matt as you say, changing our attitude, trying to, to be joyful rather than frustrated and bitter, yeah. you know. Uh, but anything we can do to bear one another's burdens um, – that could be write a note. I wrote somebody a note mm-hmm. today, and I, I don't mean to pat myself on the back. I'm just trying to give examples. It's weird a weird. I'm not a note writer, in other words. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just trying to, we, we don't get a lot of
1: face-to-face time. So mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the, um, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen it because it went super viral, but that squirrel video, um, That I think that was pretty, uh, you, oh, you guys no, are both I looking at me shaking not. your head. Uh-uh. You're kidding. You have not seen the squirrel video yet. The guy, he's like a whatever engineer. I don't, I don't want to say NASA. He may work for NASA, something. Like, I don't know. But he's this crazy mechanical engineer guy, and um, he just starts watching his normal suburban backyard and he has squirrel ninja so no yes squirrel ninja course so he he sets out to uh build, to just be a bird he's like well i guess i can watch birds you know there's something about watching birds and mm-hmm. so he's going to do that so he builds these bird feeders but quickly finds out that the squirrels wreck wreak havoc and circumvent that you know his his feeders and the birds don't get the food and so then he's turns his attention to watching these squirrels mm-hmm. and he's just enamored with how persistent they are and how oh. you know and so I'm he, watching the squirrel ninja video so right he now. builds a squirrel ninja course <laughs> okay. where
2: oh where goodness, like they can only crazy.
1: they can only access you know the the, mm-hmm. the final the treat by going through this course oh yeah and it's hilarious he it's learns brilliant. all of these things about but so anyway where I'm going with this is it it kind of inspired us just to watch our backyard and watch we we put up a You're a feeder for uh wildlife. Um, yeah. Just to watch what's <laughs> going on right in front of your eyes and we've been um we're getting hummingbirds now probably every 5 to 10 minutes. Oh we're getting hummingbirds. Hummingbirds um, are fun, yeah. Um, and yeah. It, and we have a squirrel that uh-huh. that we have we have named, named him. He's him. Crazy Ed and he he's real tweakish and he just uh-huh. he's squirrely for a squirrel. It's really crazy. Anyway, <laughs> It's just, I don't know. I don't know that we would ever really notice and mm-hmm. enjoy those things right. if we weren't in the season that we're in. I'd be yeah. too busy. I'd well, be... it
2: actually reminds me of, I know you're encouraging, this guy's encouraging the squirrels, but then that's nice and everything. But I saw um, a guy who had noticed a th- like a little boy who would ride his bike past his house and he started drawing with chalk. A little race course in his driveway oh, that's like that's a kind of cute little that's
0: cool <laughs> that's awesome that's a cool thing
2: and, and he would change it every time it rained and a
0: lot less weird than matt watching
2: squirrels <laughs> <The> squirrel
1: <video>. <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't say i watch that we notice the squirrels we watch the hummingbirds
2: you just you want because crazy ed perching. to be like the ninja well, your
1: kids are little the fun, hummingbirds are so. perching it's pretty amazing that's yeah, amazing uh, okay question number two does jesus reference Does Jesus' reference to certain Old Testament figures and events in his teaching necessarily require that those events be historic? Jesus often used parables that reference people and events, sometimes with specific names, for example, Lazarus, that were not specifically historic, but nonetheless are fully authoritative and speak truth about God and his kingdom. Can certain elements of the Old Testament be the same, not specifically historic, but nonetheless authoritative and true? Can a Christian take this view of those parts of the old testament for which specific historical basis is debated, for example, the creation, without debasing the Bible's place as God's word?
2: That's a lot. That's long. Let's, That's a let's lot. synthesize you, like, that into that a, one this, question. Kelly.
1: So I think the
0: crux of this question mm-hmm. is can you be a Christian and debate, doubt? the historicity of certain Old Testament narratives. There it is. So I would say, sure, you can be a Christian and have horrible theology.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I love that. I love that you. this is a a conversation that I think I began with you when I first came on board here, Mm -hmm. Um, just about all kinds of, can you, it's, it's an interesting and can be a dangerous question to start off with. Can you be a Christian if, and then blank, Yeah. if you believe this, if you be, Mm -hmm. especially in the season that we're in right now, because you're hearing this thrown out. Can you be a Christian and vote for Trump? Can you be a Christian and not vote for Trump? Can you be a Christian and vote for someone who, I mean.
0: There's a well-known pastor um,
1: that, that says true Christians will only vote for Trump.
0: Right, exactly. And and we just need to be really careful there because Trump doesn't make it into the biblical text. I mean, it's not ask Christ in your heart and trust in Trump forever. Mm -hmm. So I just, I think it's really dangerous. We need to be careful how we describe what it means to be a Christian. And so yes, on the historicity of Old Testament narratives, um, stories, there's a lot of debate about what has to be taken as historic f- historically factual having happened events
3: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, now while you can be a Christian so I, I define a Christian as someone who's trusting in Christ alone for salvation that's a pretty narrow mm-hmm. definition um, and so you know frankly uh, you can be a Christian and not have you you could be a Christian and never have read the Old Testament.
3: Mm-hmm. We need
0: to be honest with ourselves. You could be a Christian and not even know an Old Testament exists. I mean, you take uh, this the story of redemption in into into tribal settings. We you may or may not start with the Old Testament in yeah. in those stories. You may, but what it what it means to be a Christian can be fairly narrow. Now, at the same time, I would say that. More truth is better than less truth. And so we do have the Old Testament. We, we, we do need to wrestle with it. So, I, you know, I don't want to reduce Christianity to its lowest common denominator and then say that's all we're shooting for. We do have the Old Testament. So Christians can can take all types of views on what Scripture is saying. We want to wrestle uh, with what is correct when it comes to the historicity of Old Testament uh, stories. So yeah. I'll bes- begin by saying, I believe there are Christians who don't believe things like Adam and Eve are literal historic figures. Yes, I, I think you could be a Christian and not believe that uh, there was a global flood
1: in Noah's day. And when you say be a Christian, you don't mean just in practice, but you, you mean being saved. Born again. Born again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yes.
2: Trusting in Christ alone for yes. your salvation. Yeah, right.
1: So it,
0: it's possible to disagree on the historicity of these types mm-hmm. of events and still be a Christian. I mean, we all need to be really careful about claiming that we know it all theologically. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Um, One of my questions, I, I kind of remember this conversation initially, we were, I was talking about, you know, could, could you really be a Christian if you believed, you know, XYZ? Because mm-hmm. I believe XYZ is wrong. And, and so, and my question to you was, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, if you are really born again and you have the spirit, doesn't the spirit reveal to you the truth in time? Like at some point, don't, and then that was something I was, no, I wasn't arguing it. I was more wrestling with it. Mm -hmm. So that, that was kind of the, when I, when we had first had that conversation, that was what I had kind of been yeah, mm-hmm. taught. How, or how can told they claim
0: or... to be or really be a Christian, right, and live like X or believe X, mm-hmm.
1: right, for, mm-hmm. for 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 a lifetime, and, and right? You were, like, right,
0: and you were wrestling with various. Doesn't the, to...
1: doesn't the Holy Spirit speak up with that at some point? Doesn't yeah. doesn't the conviction happen? And, and if it doesn't, then can you reasonably conclude that? Well, yeah. Maybe well, the Holy when Spirit... are you going to get over your anger and stop yelling at your kids, right? So, and that's what you started talking about—not specifically my anger, <laughs> but just in general
0: <laughs> sin. Right, and and I'm. The Holy Spirit's at work in me by God's grace, and I'm, I'm more godly today than I was yesterday, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, he's growing me. He's working on me. But, you know, yeah. the pace of the Holy Spirit's work and the mm-hmm. revelation that God gives us, is it, it's his fruit he's bearing. It's not mm-hmm. Kelly's fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And
3: yeah.
0: So the debate's great. I want more truth, not less truth. Uh, we do have the Old Testament, so we're going to wrestle with which of these are historically verifiable. And there is a lot of debate about whether and which stories in the Old Testament are historical events. This type of debate is good, it's helpful, it's important to recognize God's Word contains different types of literature, so different genre of literature, some of which, some of the literature describes reality figuratively. Metaphorically, so the psalmist says, "Love the Lord." You know, I love the Lord with all my heart. I'll sing your praise. Well, he's not. He's not. We actually know that he's not. That's not a scientific statement. That's that's an emotive statement. It's I'm loving you with my whole being. So we we understand that the psalms are poetry, and and we understand that the Exodus narrative is describing history. The question is, is it literal history there's a category of history writing that that bible scholars use they describe it as historic theology which is meaning that it's 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 a history communicating theological truths and we can debate about the factual nature of it while affirming the theological truths in that are being communicated yeah. um, so I, I, you know for example, just as we know that the lyrics of a song are communicating truth
3: mm-hmm.
0: in a way different in a way than the cNN news tonight will communicate truth, both are aiming at truth and describing it, it differently, and so we need to when we approach the bible we need to we need to wrestle with what type of genre of literature are we. Are we reading? Um, And so when it comes to the fantastical stories of the Old Testament, there have been a lot of scholars over the last several hundred years that insist that many of the events in the Old Testament are not meant by the author to be taken as historically true, Mm. but spiritually true, Mm. or a historic theology of Mm -hmm. types. The problem is that this type of hermeneutic interpretive practice quickly makes its way into the New Testament as well. And there are churches in Glen Ellen and in Wheaton that say the resurrection of Jesus is not a factual event in time and space, Mm -hmm. but a spiritually true event, which we believe completely undermines Mm -hmm. uh, the Mm -hmm. reading of Scripture, which the authors of the New Testament, in the way that the authors of the New Testament meant for us to read Scripture. We clearly believe that they're reporting a, a factual event. Christ was dead one day, buried three days, raised a third day, and that that's a, his, he physically suffered, he was physically raised. Well, there are Christians um, that say, well, it's a spiritual truth.
1: Okay, let's play this game then. I don't know. <laughs> Can you be a Christian and believe that it was a spiritual event?
0: That it was simply a sp- only a spiritual event. Only a event. spiritual mm-hmm. event. Uh, there would I w- there be a line drawn there? It, there would probably be for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would be really concerned um, because the sin for which Christ died is not simply spiritual. <laughs> right. You know, I, I, I actually historically have sinned against people. Right. And so I need an actual historical savior in time and space would be my argument. So yeah, see, okay. that's my point. Mm-hmm. If yeah. we're not careful with our hermeneutics in the Old Testament, they bleed quickly into mm-hmm. our hermeneutics in the New Testament and how we handle all history. So I, I think this is an important debate.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when we talk about people being, can you be Christian, this and that, maybe it's a better, I. maybe it's better to rephrase that. Like, is it wise to be a Christian in X, Y, Z? and do or not do, or instead of, can you be a Christian and do or not do X, Y, Z? What's the lowest common denominator? So uh, back to my, you know,
0: we want as much truth and we have nothing to fear from the truth. Yeah. So we want as much truth in our lives and we want to be walking in as much of the light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, in my house, I, you know, I want the windows open and the lights on. I want as much light as I can get in my life.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And we want to speak
1: peaceably. With people, right? right? Yeah. And yeah. so I feel like if you're going to talk about, it's way more combative to say, well, I don't know if you could be a Christian right. and shop at Target because they took Merry yeah, right. Christmas out mm-hmm, of the, right. you know, mm-hmm. War on Christmas, whatever, right. rather than saying, I don't know if it's wise to be a Christian and shop yeah. at wherever. Mm-hmm. I'm picking on right. Target. I don't know what they do. Just to saying. your
0: point, I don't think it's wise to read the, the Old Testament um, questioning um, the historicity of events. We can, we can debate it, but right. I mean, to your point, the, the best hermeneutic, is, yeah. there is some history writing in the Old Testament. Yeah. So when we read the Bible, our work is to read it as best we can from the perspective of the original author, doing our best to discern that original author's intent, whether they're writing poetry, is their intent to write poetically, is it their intent to write uh, historic mm-hmm. yeah. events? And I argued that one of the ways we can know how to handle the Old Testament, I argued on Sunday, the Old Testament stories, is to see how Jesus handled them. As as well as how the rest of the New Testament authors handled them. And I'm, I want to I get to some of the other New Testament authors. So I gave references to how Jesus handled some Old Testament stories that we find fairly fantastical, and many people, including many Christians, want to say aren't meant to be historic events. But yet Jesus handled them as historic mm-hmm. events. Mm-hmm. Noah and the flood, Jesus actually said, as it was in the days of Noah. Now, that he, sounds
1: pretty... Yeah. Histori- no, the, hi- what's the word Historific- historical historical
0: oh, there you go. yeah that's so the word. so there was a real noah he had real mm-hmm. days and there mm-hmm. was a judgment he, jesus says as it was in the days of noah so it'll be in the mm-hmm. coming of the son of man his point is people are, aren't going to see it coming
2: mm-hmm. there yeah. were many
0: in noah's day that didn't see it coming well
2: and that's inferring that people would know that story yeah that it was something that happened and they would affirm its
0: historic right mm-hmm. yeah. sodom and gomorrah um, he says it'll be more bearable for sodom and gomorrah so real, Jesus apparently thinks they're real cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Garden of Eden, he, in Matthew 19, there's a debate. He's asked about the permissibility of divorce. He harkens back to the way it was in the garden, one man, one woman um, for life. And so he talks about divorce in its permissibility with a framework pre-fall, Garden mm-hmm. of Eden and and talks about God's intent there. And so the Garden of Eden is a hotly debated. I listened to a podcast last week where Adam and Eve were were defined as his uh historic figures, real figures, but the garden, this particular biblical mm-hmm. scholar of the Old Testament, so he's an Old Testament uh, ancient Near Eastern scholar said, but I don't know that the garden has to be affirmed as a literal and he was he was nuancing some real grammatical
3: mm-hmm.
0: subtle elements. Mm-hmm. So so the death and resurrection his own death and resurrection jesus compares it to jonah 3 days in the belly of the fish another fantastical story that people say now how could that really mm-hmm. be and my point is arguably the most brilliant teacher that's ever walked the earth affirm these stories as historically true can you be a christian right and question their historicity i think you can i don't to your point man i don't think it's the wisest way to read the the old testament
1: yeah no, that's good all right let's go to question number 3 hang on yeah. One other point. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I, I think the New Testament authors give us some windows in how to handle the Old Testament text. So New Testament authors, the way they handle the Old Testament, they give us a hermeneutic. And so this is actually a fairly um, important way for us. So anytime I'm dealing with the Old Testament, one of the first things I want to ask is, is this story mentioned in the New Testament? Because I could learn something. Now, it doesn't have to be mentioned in the New Testament for me to deal with it as a historic event, but it helps me. so one of the narratives, so you had asked me offline, are there any New, uh, Old Testament stories uh, where, where I would be comfortable with us not claiming they his, their historic events. And one that I am comfortable with people questioning is the story of Job. Job is often um, described as um, a, a fiction or a myth uh, aimed at um, teaching us about suffering and God's posture and also telling us about temptation yep. and mm-hmm. how it's handled. And so I, I would be comfortable. That's now how I read it. Mm-hmm as a redemptive myth, but there it is one that I would say I can understand how people read Job as a redemptive myth and don't want to take it as a historic event. Um, but it's interesting, even James, James chapter 5, when talking about patience, refers to Job. Now, does that mean that James actually believed Job was a historic figure. To this person's question, I don't think James' reference to Job means James actually thought he was a historic figure. He's simply referencing the story of Job and saying Job in his story demonstrated tremendous patience. So I just I wanted to admit that I would be comfortable with Job, although I don't view it that way, wouldn't teach it that way, Job not being referenced as a historic event. Yeah. In, but it is what I would some would might call historic theology. We we learn theological truths from this historic story. Yeah. Okay. Is a question? Yeah.
2: How is James referencing Job any different than Jesus referencing well, No one. So, and- that's great.
0: So uh, uh, James says in James 5, brothers and sisters as an example of patience in the face of suffering. And then he goes on to talk about Job. Nowhere there does James say um, that that he believes. He's saying as an example of suffering. In other words, for James, it could have simply been redemptive myth.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Where the story itself and of Job's suffering. um, Jesus says He seems to give it more historic weight, so as it was in Mm -hmm. the days of Noah. Does Mm -hmm. that seem more weighty to you, or am I making it up?
2: I don't know that you're making it up, but it seems a little more weighty. Yeah, he
0: says he actually looks forward to the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah, Mm -hmm. not not with anticipation, but he says it will be more bearable Mm -hmm. for these real cities, Mm -hmm. historic real cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, than it will be for these that have rejected me, this town Mm -hmm. he had just been kicked out of. And rejected.
2: Yeah, that so, one feels more weighty. Yeah, so there there seems to be a,
0: a gravitas to it. Mm-hmm. Now, I I take Job as a historic event, so I'm I'm trying to uh, to argue um, from the devil's perspective mm-hmm. here, um, and but many will say, well, James and the way he handles Job doesn't require that James actually believed Job was a historic okay. figure. hmm Yeah. Now. I'll admit some, there are some that argue, well, Jesus didn't have to believe in Noah to argue from a noatic storyline. Mm.
1: But it seems to me there is more gravitas. It seems maybe he would use different language if he didn't see it as a yeah. his, historic right. event.
0: Mm-hmm. It's interesting, the we question think. asker uh, mentions Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus is in the rich man, and
1: the suffering of, and of the rich man Right, so not to be confused with Lazarus. Who was who, raised. Who was historically okay. raised. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Jesus wept. and Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So Lazarus is a, is a poor man that suffered at a rich man's doorstep and received no care. They both die. Lazarus receives comfort in Abraham's bosom, and he, he observes the rich man in hell, in torment.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, many want to describe this as a parable, but, but we actually have the name of Lazarus. And Jesus in that parable says there once was a rich man. It's not offered as a parable. Mm -hmm. It's offered as Jesus reflecting on the suffering of a rich man who cared nothing for the the suffering of the poor in this life and received punishment for that. Mm -hmm. We just need to read the the text carefully. All all that to Mm -hmm. say is I I think there is value in debating this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll admit the historicity of Adam and Eve is hotly debated right now. There are Christian colleges all over the nation wrestling with what to do uh, regarding the historicity of Adam and Eve, particularly with regard to the Human Genome Project and the findings of science, which say that um, the Homo Sapien gene pool was never fewer than five thousand people, and so there are scientific evolutionary data points that are very strong, in my understanding. Um, Francis Collins, the evangelical Christian and head scientist in America. He's actually Fauci's boss. Fauci's made the news. Yeah, uh-huh. So he he actually um, mapped the human genome and is now, and so we, you know, I'm not a scientist, but have to defer to a scientist. Mm-hmm. And I would readily defer to him as someone who believes scripture is authoritative
3: mm-hmm. and
0: that, the, that they're, you know, the gene uh, the gene pool was no fewer than 5,000. Mm-hmm. And so we need to wrestle with what does the biblical text actually require of us to affirm? Mm-hmm. And there is some really great theological talk on, and debate going on. Where I think we're getting clarity on what Genesis 1 and 2 actually requires of us. Sure. For yeah. what it's worth, I believe Adam and Eve are still
1: a historic figure. Historic figure. Yeah. So, yeah. so to recap on the question, um, is it possible... Uh, to believe that some things in the Old Testament are um, mythical, those are my words, not the question answer word, but without debasing the Bible's place as God's word, the answer is yes. It's possible to believe that Mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. aren't historic. Yes, it's possible. And at the same time, you're not debasing Mm -hmm. the word of God. To your point,
0: to reiterate, I don't think that's the best hermeneutic. Mm-hmm. I think you undermine the hermeneutic, and ultimately you um- gotcha. undermine the, the ground upon which you're standing when it comes to the resurrection.
1: Sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go to question three. The passage you read from Revelation 22 at the end of the sermon is great, but what about but what about that brings me comfort for today? Those promises are all about heaven. What promises from the Bible can I cling to today?
0: Yeah, so at the close of worship I read from Revelation 22 – Uh, verses 2 and 3, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse, and the curse has to do with death and our suffering because of sin in the world. I, I read that again because for those trusting in Christ, healing's a certainty, whether it's now or then. And that's a tremendous comfort In fact, I don't know how we suffer, how one would suffer in this world without that comfort. There'd be a lot of um, darkness without the the hope of healing. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, so the theologians call this the now and the not yet. There is a now element to the the reality of Christians. Um, We we celebrate now the resurrection of Christ. We enjoy now the fullness of the spirit or the presence of the spirit, but there's a not yet element to our reality as well. We're not in the kingdom yet fully. In fact, we're to pray your kingdom come, your will be done. We don't have the fullness of the spirit in the way we will then.
3: Yeah.
0: And so there's now not yet reality we live in. I, I'll be honest with you, I, you know, the gifts, let's start with the fruit, the fruit of the spirit, all of the fruit are available, love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They're all available, but they're not fully experienced by me. And so when I cling to the promises that he'll keep him perfect, for example, he'll keep him perfect peace, him whose mind is stayed on him, right? There's peace available to us as we focus on Christ. Man, I, my prayer is I want more of your peace in this life but realize that I'll not be in perfect mm-hmm. peace till I'm in his presence. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't, I cling to the promise. It doesn't diminish the reality of the promise. I take the gifts of the Spirit. We at Bible Church believe all of the gifts listed in the New Testament are available today. They're just not fully functional. My immaturities and God's timing prevent us from seeing, for example, all of the healing that we'd want to see. But we pray for people's healing regularly. The elders lay hands on people. We, we pray for people's healing all the time, and we see some healings. Just because I don't see the fullness of the kingdom doesn't mean I'm yeah. going to stop clinging yeah. to those promises.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the promises I can think of is from Jesus' Jesus's own words, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Like uh, That mm-hmm. was actually the scripture we started off, the online service portion um, last week uh, before we started singing. Um, we just read that scripture. That's a Great invitation. That mm-hmm. if you want to know a promise from the Bible that you can take now, if if looking forward, you know, uh, into the fully realized kingdom is too far for you, well, you want something now. Um, that's one. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I live a life where um, the things that you know that me and my family deal with day in and day out. Um, if I didn't have peace and rest from 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 the presence of jesus like Mm -hmm. i i don't know i i don't know how people do it yeah i really don't and i understand that the cards that that me and my family have been dealt for us at times feel burdensome and and whatever but you know then there's the family down the street who's Mm -hmm. got what i perceive as a deck of cards that's like you know i'm like oh man i can't imagine right at the same time with jesus in your life um there is a peace. i Mm-hmm. Not that it's not hard. Right. It's not that it's, you know, every day isn't a challenge. There just is this transcendent mm-hmm. peace that you have. That...
2: Well, I like, Kelly, this word on the not, now, not yet, as I look at this verse and it's talking about the healing of the nations and all the racial unrest that's happening right now, that feels really discouraging and and yet hopeful because it's been this hidden thing. And so I have to believe that some of the discomfort right now is part of God's healing of the nations as he helps us see our sin and work through that and love each other better Mm -hmm. um, the way that he would have us love each other. Um,
0: And we've certainly seen progress in mm -hmm. in. We've got a long way to go on this on racial tensions in America, but we have seen progress. There, there has been a civil rights movement. We mm-hmm. have gained ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, the church, uh, particularly the white uh, suburban churches, is increasingly waking up mm-hmm. to the opportunity to care for those who are marginalized and oppressed. So there's been a lot of
1: progr- progress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think about yeah. I mean, not to get off tangent and talk about racial stuff, but I mean, I think about what what it looked like when Barack Obama was elected, and I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like in every major city in the United States there were massive celebrations. Like mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, like you said, we have a long way to go. There's a lot of messed up stuff still happening, but you know, like he 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 beat out John McCain. Yeah. He beat out the the man, the old white man war yeah. hero I mean, yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. Like this dude named Barack Obama yeah. beat him badly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's a,
0: that's progress. It's
2: progress. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. I like John McCain. I liked. He's I, passed away, so yeah. It, and appreciated much of what Barack Obama did. So mm-hmm. I, I'm afraid that the listeners, when I say there's progress, and we were in reference to John McCain getting beat, it,
1: there's a lot to be said there. So right. I just, I'm not I'm, I'm saying, saying anything generally. Yeah. I'm not saying <laughs> anything politically. Right. I'm just talking about like. Yeah, got a black guy man. and a white mm-hmm. guy, right. and they mm-hmm. both ran, and right. yep. it's yes. like, okay. <laughs> um, okay, anyway, um, let's go to question four. Let's go to our last question. That's a
0: great question, four.
1: How do we integrate Jesus' teaching that if someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to him the other cheek as well? From Matthew 5.39. and the Old Testament law of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth.
0: Yeah, so I had started my sermon talking about the the continuity And discontinuity between Old and New Testament, saying, what do we do with the Old Testament? And then I segued into make sure we understand Jesus saw himself at the center of the Old Testament. And nowhere is that clearer than in this messianic title, which makes its way throughout the Old Testament and then is given its fullness in the New Testament. So um, setting up kind of the tension at the beginning of the sermon, I said, so what are we to do the Old and New Testament seem so different. Eye for an eye, Old Testament, turn the other cheek, New Testament. And so someone actually asked, what do we do with that? You never, you never <laughs> resolve that. Yeah. So just that's the background. And the, the, the summary of this is, is fairly easy. Uh, turning the other cheek is, is, I believe, offered as a personal ethic. And so what I want to do here is distinguish between a civil ethic that is a, a societal ethic
3: mm-hmm.
0: and a personal ethic. I hope we all condemn looting and we all support the, the police officers who put themselves at risk in in trying to restore civil rest when there's civil unrest. So you know, the societal or civil ethic is one of justice. The personal ethic biblically is one of forgiveness. And so that's what you get here with an eye for an eye. An eye for an eye is not actually, if you poke out my eye, I poke out your eye. It's not Mm -hmm. an ethic of revenge. It's an ethic of justice. Right,
1: Equality and injustice. Yes.
0: So even today, we... We recognize this in civil society, and we say, if you steal a million dollars, you have to give it back, assuming Mm -hmm. you still have it. You have to pay restitution, bodily restitution, you're going to go to jail Mm
1: -hmm.
0: because you lashed out against civil society. We don't want thieves walking free. We Mm -hmm. want those that that won't stop stealing. They get locked up. But even those that steal, they have to make reparations. They have to, there's justice to be had there. Mm -hmm. Right. One of my favorite movies that I showed all the time, kind of trying to draw a distinction between the personal ethic of turn the other cheek, and the civil ethic of justice, eye for an eye, is a is a movie called Dead Man Walking. Mm-hmm. Everybody ever see it? Oh yeah. It's not a so those that are looking for Netflix, yeah, <laughs> it's not a family no. movie. Okay. It's a very difficult R-rated movie, mm-hmm. with difficult themes. Um, so it's it's the um, It's the story, and it's a true story, of two young men that rape and murder um, a young couple that they find. And uh, then the story is of a nun who befriends one of the convicted killers while he's awaiting his death sentence by lethal injection on death row. So she straddles the line between personal ethic of turn the other cheek offering her forgiveness to this man who did this egregious crime while still upholding the civil ethic of eye for eye. Justice may be done. And I'm not here um, supporting the death penalty. That's not what I mean to do. Mm -hmm. What I mean to do here is say that there is justice at a civil level for those who commit crimes, and rightly so, while we still are called by the biblical ethic, the personal ethic, to turn the other cheek. And in in the movie... The parents of those who victimize, some come to the place where they can offer forgiveness. Some do not. Mm -hmm. And they lash out at the nun who's being kind to the man who's headed to Mm -hmm. death. It's just a fascinating movie about justice
1: and forgiveness and how difficult they can be in society. Mm -hmm. John has talked about this passage before on the podcast that it's a, a little misunderstood and out of context when people read what Jesus said in this passage and say, um... And say, "Oh, this means you know. Basically, you should just be a doormat, right? right? Like right. if somebody, mm-hmm. um, if somebody just trespasses on you and yep. just you know, then you should just let them go double double yeah. time, mm-hmm. right? Two right. times over, right. and that's not at all what this, no. the context of this no, is because talking about. We
0: all know that when someone treats me as a doormat, it's not good for them to get away with that. Mm-hmm. We also know that if someone slaps me on my cheek." Reading this closely, it's my choice to offer them the other cheek. So, in other words, it's it's a personal ethic. I'm going to risk further harm in some cases if I believe it will communicate and care for the other person and my, and myself. So there is a. It's not as simple as saying we're to live as doormats. Um, I heard a brilliant teaching once on this, on how to raise. Um, people that can truly love their neighbor as themselves. In other words, to love my neighbor as myself, I have to love myself and understand how I'm loved by God. It is not loving towards others to let them get away with bad behavior. In other words, no one takes Mm -hmm. this ethic and raises a two- and three-year-old. Oh, just Mm -hmm. let them slap you on the other cheek. We know it's not in the best interest of the two- and Mm three-year-old to do that. Now, this is an ethic of forgiveness, of the call to rebuild trust, rebuild relationship. It's really not a call to live as a doormat. Mm -hmm. And so when my kids were young, I said, if someone mistreats you, you should stand up for yourself and forgive them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It's a both-and. Yeah.
1: Beth, anything? Are you no. happy with that?
2: I'm happy with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about Le Mis, the priest who, when Jean Valjean steals his silver and then gets caught, but the priest says, great movie. "Hey, you know, you forgot the candlesticks <laughs> too."
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and it has a great impact on his life. hmm And it's, it he turns his life around. Yes. Help me here. It's actually the police officer who doesn't understand the biblical ethic. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's it, Javert? Javert, who mm-hmm. doesn't understand the biblical ethic of forgiveness and grace, and doesn't know how to put. the, He actually mm-hmm. he goes overboard on eye for an eye, right? And there's no redemption. Mm-hmm. There's hmm. the justice system never actually produces
1: uh, redemption. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a great story.
3: Yeah,
0: Javert.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's all the questions we have for you today. But if you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text the next level podcast 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last
0: Sunday's sermon, as well as general questions regarding the broader topics within the Christian faith.
2: We love God and believe that Scripture is a primary means for getting to know Him, and our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together.
0: Thank you for joining us, and thank you listeners for tuning in to The Next Level. All
1: praise, all praise. See the old life is gone in the
3: Boom. Prophecy.